What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. We welcome uh, Killian Timoney to his uh, first appearance on our program. We've talked about this representative having you on in the past. It's not worked out for one reason or another, but it's finally good to have you on the show. Well, it's really good to be here, and we have we have talked in the past, and I'm and I'm regretful this is the first time. Well, it won't be the last time for sure, and I've told you this before, but you and I have a mutual. I guess actually, it's a relative for you, but a friend for me, uh, Dave Timoney. Yeah, Dave. Dave's my cousin, and he is probably he's probably one of the best Timonies uh, <laughs> that that, that there's awesome. ever been. I call, I call him Smiling Dave, and I know you exact you know exactly what I'm talking about. The guy's oh. always. Dave, Dave's one of the all-time good guys, and his wife Amy is uh, is amazing as well. Been friends with Amy for as long as I can remember, and of course, and uh, I've known Dave for a long, long time as well. Just, just, just wonderful people. Doesn't get better than Dave and Amy. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Representative, uh, I, I know education's a big, big part of your life, um, and as a teacher and intimately involved in the Fayette County Public School System. Education got a lot of attention to, during the last gubernatorial race, and, and among them, it seems to be asserted by the governor, certainly, and, and other people, too, believing that teacher salaries is one of the major impediments to improving Kentucky's education system. Um, do, do you believe that that's, that's the, the, the big hurdle, and, and how do we solve that problem if teachers uh, are underpaid? How does, the, how does the state legislature help in that regard, even though they don't work directly for you? Sure. Um, I, I do agree that it's um, it, it's probably one of the, the bigger factors, uh, without a doubt. You know, um, there, there's no there's no uh, way to um, to s- substitute uh, high quality instruction in the classroom where students are present and engaged. Yeah, you know, I mean that is where the ru- you know that's where the magic happens. That's where the rubber meets the road, and we have had. Um, you know, a, a lot of industries have changed, and, and, you know, people are doing things differently. Uh, and education is, is not unlike a lot of the other ones with their, you know, focus on technology and, mm-hmm. and seeing what they can uh, to kind of bridge those gaps. The, the reality, though, is I, I don't know, and I, I was a dead set against any of this, you know, the non-teacher instruction, the NTI, and um, because I don't think that there's a way to truly – I don't use the word substitute again because that's a facet, but the the skill of a of a highly qualified mm-hmm. and highly educated teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, when I walked into a classroom, I would 20, 25, 30 kids, and I'm immediately assessing them strictly with body language. You know, seventy percent of people's communication skills are through nonverbal. You know, reading kids, reading their body language, reading where they, you know, what they're doing, and you can't. You can't do that as well through a camera lens. You can't do that with a computer screen. So um, having people who are um, committed and dedicated to just helping kids, and I think, I think teachers are. Teachers do are, are that person. Um, I just think that there are people who are skilled, and they're choosing to do other things other than teach. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the job has changed quite a bit and the perception of teachers has changed and it's become very politicized. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could get back to kind of the nonpartisan approaches towards just improvement. Um, There are bad actors in the educational sector. Of course, there's bad actors outside of the educational sector. And sadly, um, the way things are, you know, in the politics world is the bad actors, the anomalies get the policies. Mm -hmm. And that's not any, you know, you're not supposed to do that. You know, that the standard, the average, the typical is where you're supposed to, you know, dedicate your policies towards. So um, I I feel like a lot of times I'm down here in in Frankfurt on playing defense, Mm -hmm. like saying, listen, that may have happened, but that's not the standard. Yeah. Like, that's not the rule. And, you know, um, when they go in more, go in on education more, when, you know, politicians go in on education more, it turns people who have skills to do other things, it, it motivates them to look in those places. Yeah. And the one thing, um, so I kind of address two things. The, the pay is important. We have to attract, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to pay people um, adequately for their time. And if you've never been in the classroom as a teacher, not even as a substitute, but as a teacher, you don't necessarily have a a really good understanding of the time commitment involved. Um, I was just thinking about this today. Someone was asking, well, what's a typical teacher work day? I was like, well, it's, it's, you know, from the time the first bell to till the end. And, you know, you're supposed to have a duty free lunch and you're supposed to find out approximately when during the day you can actually use the restroom and have Mm -hmm. somebody cover your class and, and the meetings on top of meetings on top of the meetings and, uh, and then emails and then facilitating conversations with parents, because that's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, making sure that our parents know that, you know, what's going on in the classroom. So first is the compensation and it is a, it is a real thing. Um, I, you know, I chose to go uh, to become an educator. I I had options. I I entertained going to law school. Mm -hmm. I had entertained it point leaving the profession and going into business Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of transferable skills for teachers and that's not good that you know that's not good because there's attractive things out there people are making good money doing different things but um i think that the way education is being treated also from uh, a a news perspective Mm -hmm. from a national media perspective there's a lot of villains Mm -hmm. you know they're created and, and they're pinning it, throwing baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. We're getting, you know, kind of going over the top with some things. So I think it's a multi-pronged thing. Yeah. Um, I also, I also think that, you know, our kids aren't stressed at home to value education. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not told that, listen, if you go and bust your butt and do what you're supposed to do, and that could mean college, that could mean vocational technical, it could just go and bust your butt, be successful at something. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many, I wonder how many speeches like that are given at, at the breakfast table in the morning. Well, and I agree. I don't think that- Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. So I think it's three, those three things are probably going to be your big, your biggest indicators of kind of what the, the weight on education is right now. There's one other issue too. I mean, and I, I talk with, uh, with educators, um, you know, over the course of, you know, everyday life, I run into them, know a few teachers too. And, and one of the concerns they share above and beyond that they would like to be compensated better because the, the lack of compensation, entry level compensation 
is sometimes uh, an obstacle that's difficult to overcome to get to, and to attract good, young, qualified teachers. But I also hear from teachers that the inability to be able to control the classroom, discipline issues, is taking away from the teaching, the learning environment, really, that so much attention is given to problem kids, and kids being disruptive yeah. in class, that kids that are really wanting to get a good education are oftentimes cheated from that opportunity because so much time and energy is directed towards trying to maintain control and, and trying to, yeah. you know, I guess marginalize the chaos or the disruptiveness that might be in a classroom. What, what can the legislature do to get to empower teachers and school systems to be able to maintain that control, but yet still be fair to students and not violate rights and those kinds of things? Well, I think that anything that we can do in the legislature to support teachers, um, one of the big things uh, I, I really pushed hard in the budget this year was a mentorship program for our new teachers. Um, it was something that I went through, and I was actually a mentor teacher to um, to some teachers along the way, and that was very helpful for them in that, like, hey, listen, when you're stuck in that situation, this is probably, well, first, this is the legal thing to do, and second, this is how you handle it. Like, those conversations are invaluable, and we have so many new teachers, teachers who are under five years of experience. I mean, I didn't really know what my teacher voice was until probably year five or seven. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, that's a very real thing. So if our class sizes are big and we've got a majority of your school that has inexperienced teachers, which a lot of times happens in some of your most needy schools, mm-hmm. which, you know, completely compounds the problem, um, then you're literally just keep trying to hold the lid on, you know, you're trying to keep it together. So I think what we can do down here is fund a mentorship program where we are coaching our teachers, where we're, you know, and we're also supplementing the income of some teachers, some master level teachers to go and work with our new teachers. The one facet that is new also is option six. So that's if somebody was in the, in the workforce and they wanted to come over and, and become a teacher that the option option six is the, is the way to do that. So those are people who have no educational background mm-hmm. and are in the classroom also. They need support probably more so than the new teachers do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes along back to that question. So if you have somebody that's been out and they've got a couple of kids or they may be a single parent, well, entry-level teacher pay for an option six person who's already got the responsibilities of the world on their shoulders it, that's not that's not going to be an option. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. they're, they're they've an expense. Like I, when I be, when I was a teacher, I was a single guy. I mm-hmm. I mean, that first couple of years, it didn't matter what I was paid. I just I loved doing it, mm-hmm. and I was a coach, and I didn't have any you know fiscal constraints. That you know I was in rent. You know I rented a, an apartment. I mean, it was really really low key, but. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby Abby, Scabby at the whole school. It yeah, just I hurt see. me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. You know, a lot of these option six people are professionals that have traded their career, their their career that they have been in for teaching, and they're being paid, you know, in some cases, thirty six, thirty seven thousand dollars a year. And you can do a lot of things and make that kind of money um, that don't involve the stress and strain of being a teacher. 
We're talking with uh, Representative Killian Timoney. Uh, you know, it's, it's Small Business Day at the Capitol, and I think there's one area that could, there's some overlap between education and small business, and this has come up on our program a lot too, uh, with the uh, the push and the conversation debate over over uh, universal pre-K and concerns from people who are in opposition to universal pre-K of the kind of impact it might have on small businesses like daycares and those kinds of things. Kind of where do you yeah. stand on universal pre-K? And is there a way to offer universal pre-K that doesn't hurt existing daycare businesses? Um, you know, that was actually a topic we talked about. Um, I was asked to speak at the um, downstairs today and on, on that particular topic. And I'll go ahead and tell you, one of the phrases that we need to get away from is the phrase universal pre-K. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I say that is I've really looked deeply into this. And, you know, child, the child care industry is on you know, is in dire straits right now where, you know, they've asked for a huge, um, a huge assistance plan from, from the general assembly and Senator Carroll, um, uh, has a pretty substantial proposal. I think it's almost 300 million over two years. Um, we've got to keep our childcare centers up and running. All right. And where childcare centers make their money is the three and four year olds, because you can put more of them in a room. Okay. So that's where it comes in conflict with pre-K programs. The reason why I say universal pre-K is, is you know, we need to stop using that phrase. It's like, for example, in Fayette County, um, currently, if you are, if you make 160% of the poverty line, the poverty amount, mm-hmm. your, your child qualifies. Right? If we were just to move it, just Fayette County, move it from 160% just to 200%. Mm-hmm. So we're nowhere near universal. Um, that would include that would increase our enrollment just in pre-K kids by 1,700. Mm-hmm. So, if we went universal, there's no telling what that number would be. Well, two questions: first, who's going to teach them? Mm-hmm. We're we're desperately in need for qualified teachers. Period. Much less that many. And and second, where are we going to put them? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a space concern. So, if we pass, so, so is your opposition. Like, so your, your concerns about universal pre-K would be would be, I guess, twofold. One is you don't have the facilities to do it right now. And, and secondly, right. where, would, where would the manpower, so to speak, come from to, to handle the, this, this additional uh, educational opportunity? Exactly. Pre-K also is half day, mm-hmm. and it also operates on the school schedule. So what are parents going to do during the summer and for that second part of the day, either the morning part or the afternoon part? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is a the reason why I'm supportive of pre-K programs and actually expansion of is because those pre-K teachers have advanced degrees in early childhood education. Mm-hmm. And typically in your child care settings, they do not have those same degrees. Mm-hmm. So you, you're going to have high-quality centers where kids are safe and loved and cared for. Mm-hmm. But the instructional piece, you can't go wrong with the instructional piece that occurs in the pre-K setting. Yeah. So it's You've got quality child care for two different reasons. You've got quality in instruction and quality in facility and, and opportunity as far as it, how does this work with my schedule. And so I, I think that there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had there. But if we could create some type of a hybrid model mm-hmm. of the, you know, the public-private partnership, the three Ps, you know, that, that's how this problem needs to be moved forward because we've got to. There's no other options. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you'll see child care deserts, particularly in the 606. You know, um, the 
Appalachia's got a, a tremendous shortage. Well, it would seem to me the most logical sense there would be those region, regions all have schools, all have elementary schools that could add on in that capacity. But in your urban centers, your more populated areas where daycare centers um, and child care centers are, are already and there's a market for them, then that's where you kind of have to have a more sophisticated approach towards it. But again, we can't just sit around and do nothing because yeah. every year a kid falls farther behind. And I can't stress to you enough the importance of education from birth to four. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not even talking about like from I'm kindergarten not, on. I'm talking I disagree. About from birth to it's, four. it's critical. I, mean, I, I think the first five years are so critical and, so critical. Uh, and getting, getting started in, in just basics like reading, uh, you know, and phonics and those kinds of things. I mean, statistics show you uh, it dramatically improves chances for kids to be successful academically yes. once they get into K through 12. Yes, 100%, without question. Representative Killian Timoney, I appreciate it as always. Thank you, and I uh, look forward to having you on again soon. It's my pleasure. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right, thank you. That's Representative Killian Timoney from here in Lexington. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality, no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. 